0: Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, which is full of ghost-seating sandwiches, an answering machine that only records calls from hell, a noose bedazzled with glitter, and a living carpet with a secret. I'm <laughs> Roxy Polk.
1: <laughs> and I'm Mikey McCuller. Mikey,
0: how about we start out today uh, like we always do with the scariest thing that happened to us this week? So what went down outside of the scary basement in your real life that uh, spooked you to your very bones?
1: Well, Roxy, I was doing laundry the other day and just absentmindedly didn't go through with this, but I was so close to like, I locked the door and was pulling the door closed as I stepped out to go go downstairs to the laundry
0: room. Oh no, to to my apartment.
1: apartment. Okay. And almost locked myself out. And I was like, (gasps) like, I caught myself very quick. And I was like, oh my God we're one mistake away from chaos. Like, I left my phone (laughs) on the desk. And 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 like your roommates
0: aren't coming back for like two years. So like, what would you
1: do? He's vanished. He went into the witness protection program, so he can't (laughs) help me out. Roxy, it's especially bad in my neighborhood because everyone here must get inside before dark for that is when they come. They. They.
0: You can elaborate on they.
1: Don't make me.
0: Okay. I guess you are in the location. It might summon them to you or something, right? I don't want to put mm. you in danger just out of Thank my own you. curiosity.
1: <laughs> Roxy, what was the scariest thing that happened to you today, this week?
0: So, the scariest thing that happened to me is, well, I don't know if it's so much scary as it is, like, a major inconvenience th- of mm. my own making, so I only have myself to blame for this. Mm. As you know, I'm an avid enamel pin collector.
1: Oh, when I think of enamel pins, I think of Roxy Poke. <laughs>
0: And I have decided to pare down my collection by more than 50%. So uh, Whoa! You can't see There's still two ones down here that are empty. These aren't even pins anymore. I'm just mm-hmm. pointing to things behind me because I had like huge pinborns behind me for everyone who's listening uh, and mm-hmm. not at my Twitch streams who doesn't know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to have to try and list like a bunch of these like on eBay or something to get rid of them like in groups or whatever. The idea of having to take photos of these tiny little pins and then having to list them and like find the packaging that they were in—it just sounds like a nightmare. It because it is a nightmare. Um, that is a
1: nightmare. And also, if they're uh, Toy Story rules, you're breaking their little pin hearts.
0: I really am, so I got to deal with the guilt of that. Like, how am I supposed to get past that? I don't yeah, know, you Mikey. Can't. I can't. No. <laughs>
1: uh, you had a friend in me. Not anymore. Speaking of friends, here he comes, the demon bot. Uh-oh.
2: Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the 1997 film I Know What You Did Last Summer, directed by Jim Gillespie and starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Freddie Prinze Jr. Did you watch the film, or your souls forfeit?
1: Yes, I did watch I Know What You Did Last Summer. Did you watch it, Roxy? I
0: did as well. I also watched I Know What You Did Last Summer.
2: Good. Then you may keep your souls. Roxy. We did it. We okay, kept you our know souls. what? I'm
0: feeling kind of good about it this week. So why yeah. not?
1: Oh, see, he's leaving. Oh, so great! We get to keep our souls for good. For now. Oh, he <laughs> ran back in the room. I thought he left. <laughs> I thought he
0: left. <laughs> he's becoming more dramatic. He wanted us to have that false sense of security. He's evolving. Yeah. I don't know if I how I feel about that. Yeah, Should we be worried about that. The algorithm is
1: learning. Yeah. The I evil don't, algorithm. I, don't know how I feel about that.
0: It's not great. So, yeah. Yeah. Mikey, this week, our episode, our uh, assignment was to watch. I know what you did last summer, which we both did. Mm-hmm. So, how about for anybody who's listening at the uh, scary basement door, we do a plot summary for them so they too love can know what plan. this is about?
1: Okay. Here we go. On July 4th, a group of teens, Julie, Ray, Helen, and Barry, all equally attractive, drive home after going to a party. Barry drunkenly disrupts the driver, and they hit a pedestrian on the road. Horrified by what they have done, the teens decide the only thing to do is dump the body in the water and let nature destroy the evidence. However, when the teens go to do this, the body gasps, still alive. And so the teens hit him and dump the body, turning what was originally an accident into a murder.
0: One year later, all our teens are riddled with guilt from that night, each of them unable to move forward with their lives and no longer associating with each other. When Julie goes home from college, she gets a note under her door saying, I know what you did last summer. Julie seeks out Helen, and the two of them take the letter to Barry. Barry suspects a former classmate, Max, who saw them all on the road that fateful night. He must be the
1: one who wrote the letter, right? Barry confronts Max, who now works at the docks, and doesn't get a clear answer. Well, there- they also meet Ray, who chose to become a fisherman instead of leaving town for college. Later that day, Max is killed by a figure in a rain slicker coat and wielding a hook. That night, Barry gets a threatening letter of his own, and it's almost run down by his own car.
0: Julie tracks down records of who the dead body could be, and she is convinced it is a man named David Egan. Helen and Julie then meet with David's sister, who explains that her family was devastated by the loss. Later that night, Helen's hair is cut off in her
1: sleep, and the word soon is written in lipstick on her bedroom mirror. The next day, Julie finds Max's corpse in the trunk of her car, wearing Barry's stolen jacket and covered in living crabs. When Julie gets her friends to show them what has happened, suddenly her trunk is empty. Helen and Barry participate in the 4th of July parade, and Julie learns that David apparently committed suicide. They think he did this because he felt guilty for the death of his girlfriend who died in a car crash with him at the wheel.
0: At the beauty pageant, Barry is killed in the balcony as Helen watches. She tries to get help from the police, but somehow the body is also missing. Helen is escorted home by the police, but on the way back, the policeman is killed, and she runs to her family store. Helen's sister is there and is able to let her in, but sadly, her sister is killed <laughs> extremely quickly. <laughs> Helen's running out of options, flees the store, goes down an alley, and unfortunately as she tries to cry for help, the sounds of the parade mask her screams and she too is killed.
1: Julie investigates further and soon finds out that David's dead girlfriend's father was actually the man that they ran over. They were not responsible for David's death. This man was actually the one who killed David, and they hit him after he had committed the murder to avenge his daughter. This man is now stalking all of our teens as further revenge for leaving him to die after they hit and run. Julie
0: runs to tell Ray, and the two of them are attacked by the killer on his boat. As Julie runs, she finds the corpses of her friends in the ship's icebox. Both Julie and Ray fight back desperately and eventually sever the hand of the killer and knock his body into the ocean. Never to be seen again. (laughs) When the police question them after it's all over, they ask why this man would try to kill them, to which they reply that they don't know.
1: Now, it's obvious they are both relieved to have not actually killed anyone back on that fateful night, but instead, they defended themselves from a crazed murderer. Ray and Julie then get back together, and one year later, with Julie back in college, she enters the shower and sees the words, I still know, written on the shower door. She's then attacked and screams, and the movie ends, and that is I Know What You Did Last Summer. I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's it. I Know What They Did Last Summer.
0: I do, too, and it's uh, not great. what a
1: summer. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They went to exactly what-
1: That's the kind of summer you look back on the rest of your life.
0: Go to one party, kill a man, you know.
1: (laughs) Roxy, this movie is so fun.
0: It is. It is like also, it's funny that we did Scream the previous week because this is very much like indicative of the time when Scream came out. This like came out afterwards and feels like it's very informed
1: by it. Well, the same writer, Kevin Williamson, wrote both movies.
0: Yes, exactly. Even more so. On a Tear,
1: my man, writing about teenagers (laughs) on Dawson's Creek. He writes about them falling in love in Scream. And I know what you did last summer. He writes about them getting killed.
0: Wait, he, he was a writer in Dawson's Creek?
1: I think he's the showrunner of Dawson's
0: Creek. The, what? I had yeah. no idea. I've somehow yeah, never you... seen an episode of that show, despite being a child of, like, the 90s and early 2000s. I have It's never really seen a good. Episode. Are you sure?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it is. <laughs> okay. So, deeply involved in Dawson's Creek, deeply involved in Scream, basically the same movie, it just dawson talks about movies like a piece of shit the whole time and doesn't get killed scream at least gives us that catharsis yeah just, uh, and now he's figuring out what teens are doing last summer
0: yes yeah and i guess this was like based on a book but it didn't really follow the book at all to the point mm-hmm. that like i don't even think there was a mask or not mask but i don't even think there was like a spooky killer hmm.
1: somehow so like who was What was happening?
0: I don't know. I haven't read the summary of it, but apparently the writer of the book was like, this isn't anything like what I wrote. Why did they do this?
1: (laughs) Can you imagine writing just like a subtle thriller about a man who knows about a crime teens committed and they turn it into a slasher movie?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're getting residuals off of it, at least that would- Soften the blow, I assume, but uh still fucking sucks if that's not what you <laughs> planned out at all. But regardless, this movie is—it's fun. It's like kind of a guilty pleasure, dumb fun, nineties mm-hmm. thriller horror slasher.
1: So, Roxy, I—I I don't know where else to start with this movie besides okay. the ending.
0: The end. Okay, sure.
1: Which I truly hated.
0: It's a complete mess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the end of this movie posits that the night of drink. Drunk driving and driving erratically and fucking around as teenagers is totally okay so long as the man they hit survived.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They did also he's a murderer, so don't feel bad about it.
1: Right. It's so ridiculous that like at the end she's like hugging Ray and and she's just like we didn't kill anyone after all. It's like, who cares? You still did the bad things that you were feeling guilty about. He
0: was coming after them, and they think that they killed him at that point because his hand is cut off, so he's going to be, like, bleeding from that, and then he's dunked (laughs) in the ocean after he got, like, hit in the face, so he'll, like, (laughs) probably drown. So it's like, just because they didn't find the body doesn't mean you didn't kill him also. Right. So even if you didn't kill him back then when it was an accident and then just like a dumb choice to hit him in the head and push him in the water after he wasn't dead mhm you still killed him now <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, what? He still ended up dead by your hand.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they spent so much time in this movie dealing with like the guilt and the fallout of how their all of their lives stopped because they did this. Mm-hmm. They did this thing. I would they... argue that's
1: the strongest part of this movie. Exactly. This idea it is. that you have done something, and I think we've talked about it on this show. Before, yeah, this multiple times. <laughs> that you have done something, and there's nothing you can do, and there's no coming back from it, and. And I think they play it really effectively that like Julie's life is over. She has this horrible year where she was the most brilliant high school student and goes to college and is failing.
0: Yeah. And like she doesn't leave her room like her roommate talks about how she never leaves and she's like super pale because she doesn't go outside. And like her mother Mm -hmm. thinks she's been doing drugs because she's so like gaunt and her face looks like sunken in. Although it's movie glamorous, you know, gaunt. So she looks like completely (laughs) fine, honestly, to the point where she's still one of history's
1: most beautiful women.
0: Yeah, so when her mom asked that, I was like, she really doesn't look like she does drugs. I don't know why you would say that, but okay, movie. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's destroyed all of their lives. That's what happened with Julie, with Helen. She was like this rising star beauty pageant Mm -hmm. girl who had all these plans to travel the world and have a career. And like she just settled for being a clerk at her family store. And she feels very small and like shrunken down like she has an overbearing older sister. And like her parents don't really understand what happened to her. Mm hmm. And then we've got the shitty rich boy Barry. Oof, this he guy. just he leaned into like his rage and kind of like I I don't know what else to really say about him. He just became a more shitty version of what he was before. Mm-hmm. We don't really know like what he's been up to, other than I guess he just lives at his
1: rich parents' house and forgets it existed. Yeah,
0: and then and Ray, then we got
1: Ray, yeah, yeah, who just gets a job on the docks. He is just here to catch the fish, make an honest living.
0: Well, he was going to go to New York to be a writer, and then he literally says when they find him as a fisherman, he's like, I became my father. I'm just going to stay in. I'm stuck in this town, and I'm a fisherman just like he was, and I never got out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's a less than Jake song.
0: (laughs) I don't know enough about less than Jake, but I'm sure for all you less than Jake heads, that was very good.
1: (laughs) Every less than Jake song is about like, I swear I'm going to leave this hometown. No one knows me here, and I got to get out. And like 45 albums about it. Is that also an early 2000s band? You like know
0: it. 2000? Okay, yeah. I was going to say Ska that. Sky as hell. That that tone that you had is just very much so indicative <laughs> of like my high school music.
1: Everybody's experience. running yeah. around and no one gets me. Relationships are over. This is all of them. Over forever. All of them. But so, okay. We've got these four teens. This movie I feel like is very unusual in that it's got like a four character. Group that yeah. kind of doesn't have room to let people get killed. So I think this movie does a I think a very good job of introducing people to get killed along the way.
0: Oh, but yeah, like the bystanders. This guy ostensibly
1: has no reason to kill them. Like, why does he kill Max?
0: Yeah, he has no reason to kill Max. He has no I guess maybe Helen's sister when they're in the store like she was in the way, but like Max mm-hmm. he had to go out of his way to kill him. I guess cuz he right. was on the road that night, so maybe he was like mm. you could have stopped them and you didn't. So
1: That's a great call. That's a great call. I'm sure that's what it is. He he was um the good Samaritan in uh who did nothing and therefore needs to be yeah. punished.
0: But the thing is he had no idea what they were doing. He didn't see anything. So it's like he Maybe he would have done something if he had known, but he literally did not know. So it's like punishing him for
1: things he doesn't even know about. I guess I guess are we saying that the killer like is following Barry? And so when Barry goes to confront him, it's like you were there that night.
0: That would make sense. Then the
1: killer hears, Okay, I'm piecing it together. Yeah,
0: okay, that that makes more sense. That actually makes a lot more sense than I thought.
1: Here's here's the thing about making lo- jumps like this. I think we've said this about other movies before. It's like we're making jumps that the movie doesn't earn. But when I enjoy a movie, I like making those jumps. And yeah. Like, it's, like that to me is fun. Like I like this movie a lot. Uh, the ending, I think, is muddled. But
0: well, also the fact that you can reason that out, I think, I don't know, Like like you said, maybe the movie didn't intend for that to be. But the fact that we're able to reason that out means that like mm-hmm. there were enough clues that like put in place.
1: That you could well, do that in some ways. That That's what I mean. Like, I would argue that they didn't think about that. They were just okay. like, Oh, well, we need more kills. And that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> like, I want yeah. more kills. I'm happy to have more people it's getting a killed movie. slasher movie. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, it does feel like a big deal when Barry gets killed up in the balcony. It's like, oh, holy shit. They're like, I thought these four were going to survive. I thought they were going to be like our scream trio. Yeah. You know, who are going to live throughout every movie and be like the main characters And, again, there's something that I think the new Scream addressed really well, this idea that, like, we don't want to kill off all these characters because we want them to, like, their relationship is what the movie is about. Yeah. And this movie, like, tricked me into thinking they were doing that. And then when they did it, I was like, oh, oh. Like, I thought Gary's death was kind of frightening.
0: Yeah, especially because the body disappears and, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, Helen, is watching it from the stage. So Mm -hmm. she's the only one who can see that her boyfriend is being murdered and she's like on the stage. She starts screaming and yelling and like interrupting the performance. And so everyone's looking at her and nobody believes her because there's no body and nobody else saw it. So they're like, you're just hysterical. We're going to escort you home in a police car for some <laughs> reason and lock you in the back. <laughs> it's a crime in
1: this town to interrupt a beauty pageant.
0: <laughs> Apparently, yeah. And uh, that's one of the things I want to talk about. Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance is probably the best one in this whole movie. And I agree. I wish she was She's the main really character good. instead of Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, which doesn't feel mm. as interesting to me. Um, And maybe it's just because like, I like Sarah Michelle Gellar more, but I feel like she was much more dynamic and a lot more interesting to watch her acting style I, I don't know i think because the highs of how over the top her character was at the beginning first mm. the, the movie starts out with her and like her talking about her dreams and what she wants to do on stage after she's won this pageant you see how mm. like bright and positive she is so then when you see that contrast to what she's become it's a much bigger leap than like jennifer love hewitt's character who is just kind of like this girl next door a nice girl who doesn't really feel like she's made as big of a change Mm-hmm. Like, like I said again, like her mom makes the comment, like, "Are you doing drugs?" And it's like, "What? Where? How do you even get there?" Because she doesn't even mm-hmm. look that different.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You're exactly right. I I hadn't th- thought about it that way. Like the consequences for Sarah Michelle Geller were much starker than they were for Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, just Jennifer in that, like, Love Hewitt
0: even went to college. Even if she, she felt still went like to shit. college, she, she still went. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she just had a slightly worse time. <laughs> yeah like, Sarah Michelle Geller lost everything
0: and like she even loses her hair because like the killer stalks her waits in her bedroom cuts off her hair which was a big thing for a beauty pageant girl so like she's got that fucking with her
1: let's talk about that yeah <laughs> it's a weird he, choice so the killer cuts off her hair but just like a little bit yeah and enough that she could still like have a pretty it. long sexy haircut
0: yeah they should have given her like a pixie cut or something
1: It was so funny when she got up on stage, and she just had, like, still the best hair.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she still had really good hair, because, like, if any of you guys have seen Buffy, like, she had, like, yo-yos between different hairstyles. She has, like, kind of a more blunt cut at one point. She has, like, a much longer wavy cut at some point. And she always looks, like, amazing in it. Right. No matter what her length of hair is. I feel like they had to do a pixie cut or, like, shave her head or something for it to be a bigger deal, and- Of course, she's still working at Buffy at the time. Like, I think it was maybe year one of Buffy. So she's still Mm. contracted. And I don't think you could get a good enough prosthetic or something to, like, cover Mm -hmm. up her hair. She would, like, have to legit shave it off. So, like, I get why they couldn't. But, yeah, it 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 would have hit a bit harder if they had done (laughs) something
1: more. Between that and your description just now of the consequences of killing this man for Jennifer Love Hewitt... It makes me realize how many like half measures this movie takes <laughs> to its storytelling. Mm. It's like it kind of does something, but then it doesn't go all the way. It just like kind of gets scared. Like this idea that Sarah, or uh, I'm sorry, that Jennifer Love Hewitt finds the body of this guy in the trunk <laughs> of her car covered in crabs is awesome. Uh huh. And then it would have been also awesome to see like how Ryan they deal with like deal with it. Yes. But they don't have to because it would have been
0: so much more interesting. It just disappears. How? Yeah. It's just gone. <laughs> yeah, it's a very dumb thing where, like, th- there were some leaps in logic that we made that I'm like, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. But, like, there's no way the killer could have gotten the body and cleaned out the trunk and disappeared and not been seen in, like, bright, sunny in daylight. In the rocks. middle of a suburban neighborhood <laughs> with Jennifer Love Hewitt, like, screaming also to, like, draw attention, like – that, that, and also maybe he could have dragged away Barry's body up in the auditorium or like balcony before people would see, but you can't dispose of that trunk crab body
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that quickly
1: right a lot of lot of bizarre half edges, including the way Sarah Michelle Geller is killed, yeah, like, I remember that being like a really clumsy scene where she's like kind of fighting him off for a while but then they sort of just like pull away and we watch the band and then we just don't see her again
0: yeah i think they could have done that in a better way because i think the concept of it makes it much more tragic because there are literally people there that she is screaming Mm -hmm. to for help and again like i said her performance in this movie sells it a lot more like you feel way more empathetic and sympathetic yeah towards her so it feels much worse you know seeing barry get killed barry was kind of a piece of shit and Mm -hmm that actor did a good job being that type of character. But like, I don't really feel much sympathy for Mm -hmm. him. And like, because the character wasn't even really supposed to be all that sympathetic, you know, like that's, that was kind of the point. Yeah. So it's even more tragic that this character that you probably like, out of everyone who got killed, she's probably the one that people like the most just because out of our four main teens, half of them are gone. Mm -hmm. We don't really get to hang out with the other side characters who die that much to care about them. But then, yeah, just, there being people literally like a couple feet away, and she can't get help.
1: Yeah, a lot of moments in, I guess, in between that scene and the scene where she is watching Barry up in the balcony getting killed, mm-hmm. that feel kind of dreamlike, like in the sense that like this thing is going on and there's nothing you can do about it. Like you're, yeah, and you're, you're the running, only one but you're not it moving. Too.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like th- there's what there's like many different types of dreams, but there's a couple different ones that like people will cite. Oh, showing up to a test late and you're naked and then everyone's looking at mm-hmm. you and pointing and laughing. It's very similar to that because she's the only one who sees this thing and everyone, nobody believes her. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this whole auditorium full of people who
1: <laughs> deserve to be killed by a fisherman.
0: Yeah, it's another thing that makes it even more sad because like Barry was her boyfriend, even though like they were broken up and she didn't really like him anymore. Uh, they still had like a history. I guess they they cared about each other to the point that they had history, not that they really cared about each other anymore, but so it was like someone who was important to her in her life. So sure. also seeing someone that she cared about being murdered, too. It's just like great, even worse. I
1: don't want to ever have to see that.
0: I don't either, and I don't
1: think anybody does. <laughs> even for my worst exes, I still want them to not be murdered. Good. That's that's I, how it should I, be. I love them that much, and and exactly that much. <laughs>
0: I think that's good. That's just a decent human being thing, too. Like, I don't want to see anybody get killed.
1: Yeah, There are some people I want to see get killed. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, Mikey's <laughs> got a list, guys.
1: <laughs> but none of them are my exes. I've not <laughs> kissed any of them. I guess this kind of gets us into the big question of the movie. Roxy, what deep human fear did you see this movie poking at?
0: Well, I think we talked about it at the beginning, honestly, of, like, after the summary. It's just, like, the guilt and something that you... Having one instance, one action in your life influenced, like, the whole rest of it. And it's mm. completely wrecked. Like you said, like, something you can't come back from. Um And because if you are, like, a decent person, you would feel guilt about doing this bad thing. Mm-hmm. Your future's gone. Your present is gone. And then by the end of it, I guess it's kind of, like... Jennifer Love Hewitt's character says stuff about how, oh, we should go to the police, like, at the beginning, and then decides not to. And then at the end, she's like, no, we should just do it, even if it wrecks our lives and we have to go to jail, because mm-hmm. like, I can't live like this anymore. I need to be moving forward, even if moving forward is going to jail. Like, I need yeah. to take responsibility for it. But they don't. They don't. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think I think they tried to do that, and like we said, the ending is what kind of killed it. I think the mm-hmm. ending undercuts the themes and like the bigger picture they were moving for towards, in my opinion. But uh what do you think, Mikey?
1: My opinion as well. Um okay. I think the the reason I don't like the ending is so much is because I think this movie does a really beautiful job of setting up something that I think is very true and horrifying in and of itself. And I think up until the ending, I think this movie was about endings. Hmm. Interesting. I think setting okay. up this initial party with these four characters who are going to the beach and Sarah Michelle Gellar is talking about how like we're gonna end up together and it's gonna be so beautiful and we're gonna have all these kids and you're gonna impregnate me here and
0: (laughs) you're gonna travel and you're gonna be a quarterback and (laughs) right
1: and Sarah Michelle Gellar and uh Ray are doing the same thing I'm sorry Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ray are doing the same thing where they are talking about how like Yeah, we're going to be – they're going to different colleges, right? But they're like, we're going to end up together. We're going to figure this out. Because they're
0: childhood sweethearts. And actually, so one of the things that this movie does in kind of subverting tropes, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Frey Prince Jr., their characters, Ray and Julie, like they actually Mm -hmm. uh, lose their virginity to each other on that beach. We don't really see it, but it's like implied. So it's it's like all of these (laughs) – well, it's more like all of these characters are – Bucking that trope, I guess, to an extent, because they, they've all had sex in a horror movie and two of yeah. them survived it. So,
1: well, I, that's something I wrote down that like this poor girl loses her virginity and then an hour later they run over a man. <laughs> yeah. It's like even if you what have a night. the most positive losing your virginity experience, it's like the cosmos have decided that you're going to have a shitty night the night you lose your virginity, no matter what the yep. sex is like. <laughs> But so, okay, this movie is going through and setting up how all of these characters believe they're going to live their lives together. Mm -hmm. And there's almost this romantic notion that no matter what kind of difference, distances are put between us, we will end up together and we'll be together. And to me, the murdering of the guy, (laughs) the Uh car running into this guy early on in this movie, metaphorically, that to me speaks as like the fracturing that is going to happen to people as they move forward in their lives. Yeah. That just all of a sudden, their relationships are over. And I think what's kind of heartbreaking to watch in this scene is Freddie Prinze Jr. has the line, uh, what it, What was it? I wrote it down. Freddie Prinze Jr. says, let's think about this for a minute. Nothing good has ever come after somebody <laughs> says, now hold on, let's think about this for a minute. <laughs> It's because they're going to pitch we should destroy evidence.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, like, they've all got different reasons for it. Like, in that instance, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, which is probably why she's the main character, she's the only one who says, we need to go to the police. And she essentially Mm -hmm. gets, like, pressured by her friends and not wanting to destroy their lives. Uh, And, I mean, like, later she she also says, like, yeah, like, I made the choice to do that. I could have gone to the police if I felt really that Mm -hmm. strongly about it. But I chose the selfish thing which was saving myself and not feeling bad for ruining things for you guys too mm-hmm. so she she was peer pressured but then she was also like taking responsibility for that which i think is something you can respect yeah it was cool freddy prince jr's character he you know his dad was a fisherman i i can't remember where where's the location this feels like it takes place like <laughs> You know, in Maine. It's New England. Or like New England. Okay. Yeah. yeah. where
1: it's- I, I don't know if it is, but it feels like New England.
0: Okay. So we've got like the the rich kids and the poor kids kind of. And Freddie Prince Jr., he fought to be able to go to college. And I don't know if he's got a scholarship or what. But he, mm-hmm. he makes a comment to be like, you guys have money. You'll be okay. I won't. Like, I don't yeah. have money. I can't get out of this the way you can.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is like one of his defenses. Like, he, he feels very back against the wall and then he like which is so
1: reasonable yes it is
0: which is again why you can see like yeah i can understand how you would do this especially if he's already dead i guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then 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 the kicker where when they go to dump the body he's actually still alive so they're like oh we didn't actually kill him we could still walk this back and then they're like nope we're all in and just like whack him in the head and push him in the water and (laughs) assume he drowned
1: (laughs) The the thing that I love so much about Jennifer Love Hewitt's performance, believe it or not, all of the screaming, <laughs> is that she does scream a lot and yeah. at weird times. Yeah. She screams like when it like I think she distracts Freddie Friends Jr. like gets him yes, beat up. Yes, like in the final the
0: confrontation, she screams and he's like, wait, what? And then, yeah, he gets like knocked off the boat. It's like, you idiot. What are you doing?
1: But in the scene, in the scene where they have just hit the guy and she's like, we should go to the police. And Freddie Prince Jr. says, let's think about this for a minute. You can see Jennifer Love Hewitt, her perceptions of this man who she just had sex with for the first time. You can see them change.
0: Yeah, like talked about being with him for the rest of her life.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can see the way that like she looks at him differently. She's like, what do you mean? Let's continue on with this. And to me, what's so interesting about that, it's like I would argue the things that happened to them in terms of their friendship breaking up, in terms of these couples ending their relationships, maybe not in terms of Jennifer Love Hewitt doing badly at school, but I would argue that those things would have happened whether they ran into this man or not.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about as well, like that aspect of it, because, you know, like if you were watching that as not a teenager, if you're watching this movie and you hear these kids like talking about that you're like yeah you're not gonna (laughs) you think you're gonna (laughs) stay together you think you're gonna get married that is so
1: not likely to happen (laughs) (laughs) so not only are these characters and also
0: just like when you i guess like to what you were saying before when you know you grow into the adult that you're gonna be when you're 18 20 you're not really like a fully formed adult at that point you're still figuring shit out but it's something like that when you see what happens to someone when the chips are down what their choices mm-hmm. are that tells you a lot about a person. So if I was dating someone and they just thought, oh yeah, it's okay for us to clear up a murder, or mm-hmm. or to uh not clear up a murder, sorry, Ho- cover it, up it's murder. okay for us to cover up a murder, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's who you are. All right, yeah, yeah, we gotta I,
1: reevaluate. Things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I I think I love this movie so much is that there's not just this lie that they're all telling themselves that like this didn't happen, what we did was okay, we're right. But there is this kind of subtextual lie that they were telling Mm. themselves that this incident shattered, that we're going to stay together. We're going to be together. We're going to stay this way forever. And as people who have grown up, you know that that is not true. I would argue that the fundamental sin that these characters commit, not so much, uh, again, metaphorical. The tangible sin is they murdered a man and tried to cover it up. Yeah, yeah. The metaphorical sin is trying to keep their lives the way they are, and trying to keep things safe and held close and protected while reality was moving them forward.
0: Yeah. And also, again, it's like you you have kids' perception, you have a teenager's perception of this, like you don't know enough to have that perspective to like know what's coming for you. Mm-hmm. And I think also something that we didn't talk about as much either is that Julie and Helen our two female character leads they are best friends as well so mm-hmm. not only do they lose their relationships but they lose their best friends
1: right as well which so again just like i think it's so much more powerful if this movie ends with Freddie prince jr as the killer
0: yeah it seemed like they were hinting towards that a lot like he was one of the red herrings mm-hmm. uh to be no, like very
1: much so because he would they just do, show I, up
0: after stuff and his performance also the way he's doing it you can tell he's trying to kind of Teeter on that edge to be like, are you legit? Are you suspicious? I don't know what your angle is here.
1: Can we talk about Freddie Prince Jr.'s fucking insane performance? In this movie? <laughs>
0: yeah, we can. Let's go for it.
1: <laughs> he is con- like, have you ever seen? I've never seen this movie, but I've seen memes about it, like the happening.
0: Yes, I've seen that where happening. Mark
1: Wahlberg is like clearly wants to kill a lady, and she's like, "Do you want to kill me?" And he's like, "What? <laughs> no, no <laughs> I would never." Freddie Prince Jr. plays even the most normal scenes that way. It's like, <laughs> what? We're going to go to college together? Of course. It's the craziest performance. Every single shot of his face, he has giant puppy dog eyes does, that yeah. are like sad and scared, even in scenes when he's happy. It's the wildest <laughs> performance I've seen in years.
0: <laughs> I don't know if he. I'd say he's quite that over the top. Because I don't think anything can top Wahlberg's performance in the happening, honestly, when it comes to uh We should probably watch the
1: happening for this podcast. (laughs) I
0: mean (laughs) we can if you really want to.
1: I'd like to see that movie. But no, here's here's what I'm saying. I think this movie would be so much better if he was the killer, as they hinted at, because this notion that you are going to spend the rest of your life with somebody when you're a child, like and Mm -hmm. you see Just a year later, like looking back on your high school boyfriend, I've absolutely had these experiences looking back on the people I was friends with in high school, just like these are toxic nightmare people. And that to me feels so much more grounded in the actual experience of going on to college and then coming back and seeing some people who you thought were the best people turned out to be nightmares. And that's okay. And that's reasonable. And I love the idea of her fleeing Because the idea of them getting together, I think, breaks this movie in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, like, I can see how maybe they were thinking, like, oh, the reconciliation and repairing their relationship means that they've moved forward. Like, that's evidence of that. But I think, sure, I could see that. But I feel like it undermines, you know, what they were trying to say beforehand. And it should be more about not going back to what you had, but moving forward past that, like you said. Reinstating that old relationship that they had in that way just it definitely feels like a step back especially because in that moment they also don't take responsibility for killing that guy and then they also Mm -hmm. seem to absolve themselves of the fact that they were prepared to you know deal with that accident and then kill that guy for real once they realized he was actually alive right that tells you a fear about yourself an accident and reacting poorly i i don't think you can be completely faulted for that you know like people don't make the best decisions when they're put on the spot like that i do Okay, well, sure. Mikey's I, the exception. I get put on the
1: spot and I say, uh, because the, the last time I accidentally ran over a man. Uh huh. I remember I, this, yeah. I called the police and I said, You guys are not going to believe this.
0: <laughs> I hit a man? Can you believe that? It's
1: so funny. <laughs> it happened again. <laughs> and they, and they, they're like, Ah, oh, Mikey. Yeah. We know you're a good <laughs> Boys will be boys. <laughs> of course. They, and they drove over and they looked it over and they, and then they, the cops, Uh, dragged him down to the docks so the crabs could eat him. And and he came back alive and tried to kill them.
0: You know, it's funny because it's happened to you like three times and we never talk about it.
1: No, (laughs) and we never will. (laughs) Will we, Roxy?
0: I'm not going to slip a note under your door. Don't worry about it.
1: (laughs) Can we, the the other thing I want to talk about real quick, this slasher is a Mm -hmm. bad slasher.
0: (laughs) He's not great. And also he's just got a hook. It's not the best weapon. It just like stabs things kind of. (laughs)
1: <laughs> he is not iconic. It's <laughs> he really is not somebody you'd remember. He's wearing, like,
2: <laughs> they have the a rain where like they're, like, in, coat.
1: they're, like, in a parade, oh my and God, there's okay, just yep, a I bunch know. of people are wearing the coat, and a it's lot. like... Alright.
0: <laughs> Barry tackles the man, and it's like this old man. The when he like tackles him, <laughs> turns him over, takes the hood off. He looks like the most sad and confused, like senile <laughs> grandpa you've ever seen, and it makes you feel so bad. It's you like, does he them? even know he's in a movie right now? I can't even tell if that's a genuine reaction or if that's acting. You think,
1: you think they did like a, a jackass <laughs> <laughs> stunt <laughs> <to> this man? <laughs> capture them. this is good this is good keep the cameras rolling
0: <laughs> also i don't know enough about you know celebrity relationship history but like i know that sarah michelle geller and Frey prince jr are still married to this day they're very happy mm-hmm. and have a couple of kids but like they were love they, each other were they dating when they were playing this movie because also it's funny that they're not dating each other their characters are not mm. dating each other
1: yeah you have to imagine they probably met here right <laughs> maybe i mean like yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know what other project they would have been in before that, and like they might have met outside of projects. I don't know, but that would be really funny if this was the this is where they met and fell in Mm -hmm.
1: love. Also, (laughs) if love can bring anybody together, I guess that'd be. I know what you did last summer's set is probably. Oh,
0: so we so we were talking about the ending when they're on the boat, but we haven't talked about the stupid stinger ending when Jennifer Love Hewitt is in the shower. We have to talk about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's not
0: ideal it's very stupid and i will tell you right now because i've seen the sequel mikey has not they retcon that to be like that was a nightmare she had like she has a reoccurring nightmare that is that <laughs> it never happened because they were like we know it's stupid and makes no sense so it doesn't exist it's just a dream sequence Perfect.
1: Yeah. um i prefer be, that yes it's much great. better
0: but uh you know when you're seeing it for the first time and you have no idea like it's really dumb it's just what like every movie notion that like, had to have that <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, because Nightmare on Elm Street one, it also did that too. Yes, it does the same thing. So annoying. Why? Why we don't need to? They just think
0: it's like a scary singer for audiences. Like I don't know what dude in a suit thinks like that's great in the nineties, two thousands, and even today. Like it's not right.
1: (laughs) Well, like again, it's about like what information is being conveyed to the audience. Like I do like this idea that he's still out there. I think this movie sets it up really well that like. We didn't find the body, but he's definitely going to be dead. think about about the way
0: Halloween 1 did it, where his body leaves Mm -hmm. the spot, and then you hear, like, breathing throughout the house that is just kind of, like, implying that he is still out there. Yeah. That's very creepy, and that's a good way to do it. That doesn't break your immersion and doesn't feel like the whole rest of the movie was cheapened as a result. Mm -hmm. But then, like, with Nightmare on Elm Street and this, it's just, like, these one-off end sequences that seem to kind of, like, undermine everything that the movie did before it. And, right. like, I can understand, again, the fear of, like, the horror not being over, it perpetuating. Sure, that can be scary. But these don't come across as scary. They just, it just feels cheap. And uh, mm. I don't like it.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I think if it, if she just had the message, like, I still know, I think that would be kind of cool. That's, like, yeah. a cool little ending. There's like, okay, he's still out there. It's, like, kind of this.
0: Especially because he already has, like, stalked them to, like, freak him out before. Right. So,
1: yeah, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, they didn't I don't think they knew either. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I love this movie a lot. The ending, uh I could have taken a pass at it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Roxy, I got a question for you.
0: Okay, I was just going to ask you if you had a question for me. What what is it, Mikey?
1: Roxy, this killer in the movie knew exactly what these teens did last summer. Sure did. I don't know what you did last summer. So Roxy, uh I want to know what you did last summer. <laughs>
0: Uh well I did not run over a man with my car and dump him in the water I'll tell you that much
1: (laughs) yeah you're such a square
0: and yeah and any reports the people telling you that they saw someone matching my description doing that are completely false (laughs) oh yeah okay (laughs) yeah I thought
1: it was weird that you kept sending me those police reports that's and saying this is false and I was like I didn't okay great got it I didn't know
0: (laughs) I just had to make sure you knew it was completely not not me. But anyway, last summer, still pandemic times, so I did a lot of staying at home, but by staying at home, I did a lot of Twitch streaming, which is the thing that made me very happy uh, last year. It's a good summer. Yeah. Getting to hang out with people from a distance, getting to play video games. Mm -hmm. It kept me sane, even. That's fun. What about you, Mikey?
1: What did you do last summer? Uh, Last summer, I was uh, working a job. Getting people the vaccine, so Look also pandemic you. related.
0: Extremely wonderful, productive, and being a asset to humanity. Unlike yeah, me, I'm sitting a on my ass. Good person.
1: <laughs> it's crazy, like how good a person I am, and people are always like, when they meet me, they're like, "Wow, what? You- You've got an air of nobility about you." And I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> That's uh, what I said, "Tell about you about me about your health history." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, that was my my gig last summer, and then that ended in early July, and then I took a month off, fucking put up my feet, you know.
0: Yeah, I feel like we are all so tired from the past two and a half years, like just exhausted, uh-huh. being worn down. That like being able to say, yeah, I'm gonna take a month to just try and recharge or just relax. I I think that's great. <laughs> I wish we could all it's do important that. Important
1: and good, and we should all do it. Yes, more. for real, Roxy. On a scale of one to nine. One being the lowest, nine being the highest, ten does not exist in the scary basement, so it's not on this scale. How likely do you think the events of I Know What You Did Last Summer are to happen in real life?
0: So I said five out of nine, because Mm. I think a parent who lost their child getting revenge at any cost, is it's totally possible for that to happen, but- Mm -hmm. This dude got way too lucky and way too successful and, like, basically had supernatural powers while he being just a regular man uh, mm-hmm. to pull things off the way he did. So I'm docking four points for that. So okay. five out of nine. What about you?
1: Roxy, I said two. Oh, really? Okay. I believe that this slimy rich kid, Barry, oh,
0: okay. would <laughs>
1: crack 20 seconds in. <laughs> he would go to the police, tell them what happened, and Freddie Prince Jr. would go to jail.
0: Yeah, exactly. He'd throw his friend under the bus or use yeah. money from lawyers so he wouldn't have to take the fall for it anyway, even if he didn't throw him under the bus.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And then yep. Freddie Prince Jr. would probably die in jail. B- probably. When the fishermen came to get him.
0: Because <laughs> he was driving the car. Like, the rich kid was drunk, hanging out the sunroof for a car that didn't right. look like it should have a sunroof. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's very weird. Uh, yeah, but he straight literally- up,
1: it is Freddie Prince Jr.'s fault.
0: Well, I wouldn't say that. I'd say it's Barry's fault because he was drunk. He was like kicking him. He dropped a, a bottle of alcohol on him, so not only hit him with the bottle, but sprayed him with alcohol, covered him with alcohol. That's true. And was like just screaming and everything. He he disrupted Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. was behind the wheel, so he is of course responsible. But I don't legally think legally culpable. He would not have hit that guy if Barry was not acting like a wild man in the car.
1: Well, if thoughts. all frogs had wings, they wouldn't bump their ass when they hop, Roxy. Freddy Prince Jr. <laughs> got to mean... go to jail. <laughs> they both got to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody except Sarah Michelle Gellar should have gone to jail.
0: Oh, and Jennifer Love <laughs> Hewitt too.
1: Why? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just it seems because. uh it seems a little full of herself. <laughs> 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 all right, Roxy. Last week we made
0: a bet. We sure did the bet for I know what you did last summer.
1: We wanted to figure out how many total kills there would be in this movie. Mm-hmm. I said six.
0: Yeah, and I said eight.
1: The answer, Roxy, was Mikey. six. Look I at you! I got the point.
0: You nailed it, exactly.
1: Can we can we remember them all? There was Max. There was David Egan.
0: Oh, yeah, so like the, the guy that they thought they killed initially. The guy so, that actually died. Yeah. Uh,
1: there was Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. There was the sister. Yes. And then then there was somebody else I can't remember. The
0: killer himself, I think, right? Maybe. He's probably six. But they don't know. Oh, the cop. There was the cop. Oh, yes. That's right. Okay, yeah. The cop.
1: Yep. The cop that Sarah Michelle Gellar got arrested by. I forgot about
0: him, even though he was, like, really annoying. So when he died, (laughs) he didn't feel as bad.
1: (laughs) He's like, hey, that man in a rain slicker's got a car trouble. Oh, we gotta go help. (laughs) Got his ass rocked
0: actually that cop talks about how like uh, so we didn't even touch on the part uh, this is also playing on that legend of the man with the hook for the hand who like menaces teens like they talk about at the beginning like all these different things like oh i heard that he suspended the body above the car i heard that he left the hook on the door no i heard that he scratched the window like they had all these different interpretations for the way the urban legend went So, like, when the kids are trying to describe it to the cops later, they're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before, dumb kid trying to pull a (laughs) fast one on me, the guy with the hook for a hand.
1: You want to talk about half measures in a movie. This movie can't make decisions. This is, like, the Hmm. least decisive movie I've seen in a long time. Because it does feel like that hook hand legend is kind of the basis for, like, you can see how this movie probably started with them, like, let's make a movie out of that famous hook hand thing. Yeah, yeah. And then it just like slowly drifted away from that. The fact that it's set in this like New England fishing community immediately removes that aspect of it for me. Like really? the, to the fact to the point where like we completely forgot about it. Like to me, that setting is so specific and the way the killer kind of functions through that setting, right? Like that. Because he would he blend in more, I guess. Yeah. Okay. That removes it from this like escaped mental patient that I picture like I would say that like. Halloween feels closer to that urban legend than this movie does. Yeah. And yet, this guy is walking around with the hook for a hand. They're clearly referencing it a bunch. I think him losing his hand is kind of like yeah. a, a call to that. Yeah. Like,
0: and it even is still clutching the hook. But again,
1: it can't decide on it. It can't go all the way.
0: <laughs> After it gets severed, it's still clutching the hook as it's like <laughs> on the rigging. It's very funny. <laughs>
1: that rules yeah this is a fun movie it's just it just feels like it was hampered by indecision yeah yeah Uh uh-oh speaking of indecision i see him the demon bot is never indecisive (laughs) coming back for round two
2: congratulations you successfully reviewed i know what you did last summer your souls are safe for another week For next week, you must review the 2001 remake of 13 Ghosts, directed by Steve Beck and starring Tony Shalhoub, Shannon Elizabeth, and Matthew Lillard. If you do not, your souls shall be forfeit, and I will claim your bodies as my own. So, Roxy,
1: 13 Ghosts is next.
0: Okay, man, I have not seen this movie since it was like a blockbuster sleepover choice when I was like in middle school or something.
1: Okay, I have not seen this movie at all. Am I going to have to watch one ghost through 12 ghosts to understand what's going on?
0: Yes, the lore is very deep, and you're going to be extremely confused starting with 13. So I don't know what to tell you, Mikey. We got our
1: work cut out for us
0: next okay. week.
1: I'm going <laughs> to sit down with all 13 films Okay, the 13 Ghosts series. <laughs> uh, let's make a bet before we watch that movie, huh? Okay, yeah. Let's, let's do it. So there are going to be 13 ghosts, right? Yes. How many of those ghosts? 13 ghosts do you think are ladies
0: hmm okay like i said i have seen this before but it's been so long i can't fucking remember i'm yeah, gonna guess i'm gonna guess three
1: three okay i'm gonna say because we we all agree it will not be more than half
0: yeah probably not well i mean like you can't even have half right it's 13
1: it's right. Odd i think it's i think it's just gonna be less than half so i'm gonna say six okay yeah that seems fair feels like a lot okay
2: The pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. The person who is closest to the number of the titular 13 ghosts that are women shall be declared the winner. The winner will be given a set of 3D glasses. They won't actually do anything, though, because that gimmick was only used in the original film from 1960.
0: Okay, Mikey, so we've been talking about a lot of intense stuff, a lot of unpleasant stuff because it's a horror movie, right? (laughs) Right. So So, how about we talk about what is making us happy this week, Mikey? So what what did you get up to this week that made you happy?
1: This is going to sound wild, but I am reading a book that I love. Okay. It's making me happy uh, called Columbine. What? Yeah. No, I know.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, I was not prepared when you said this is going to be wild. I was like... I know. What, is it just because you don't read like long form books as much as I know? Is that it? I was like, okay, no. no. It's just
1: it, like, it's um, a friend of mine recommended it to me as like, I was talking about how much I love true crime. And he was like, the best oh, okay. true crime book I read was Columbine.
0: Interesting. And it
1: is a really good book in the way that like, it's all it's written by a journalist who was there and covering the Columbine shootings when they happened.
0: Damn, okay.
1: And he has done so much research on it that he almost writes it like a story. But oh. he like in the foreword he talks about how this is all like meticulously researched. Gotcha. And he says something like, If there are quotes, I have italicized what is like said by witnesses. Like there's like kind of a legend for how he's like making a lot of these jumps, but he's like, everything is researched, nothing is made up, but he's hmm. telling it like a story. And okay. the way he writes, I should actually find the name of this author because it's really good. The way he writes, Dave Cullen.
0: Dave Cullen.
1: The way that Dave Cullen writes is so like short and sparse. And it's just there's almost no like writerly inflection on any of the ideas. It's just like Hmm. these really interesting humanizing details about these two boys who murdered a bunch of people contrasted with the true horror of like what was happening. Like one of the killers, uh, Eric Harris or Dylan Klebold, worked like backstage at the school play. Oh, weird. And they just talk like. Very matter-of-factly about how there was this girl who was, like, auditioning for something, and her tape was screwing up, and she was, like, freaking out. Uh-huh. And how this Eric Harris or Dylan Claybold, I don't remember which, worked really hard to get this tape playing correctly to, like, save her from this embarrassing situation. Huh. And then they just very matter-of-factly say, like, in three weeks, he would kill her.
0: Oh, my God. He did like, specifically kill that, that girl. Okay. Because, like... Yeah. I I know... That it happened, and I know general details, but I did not really uh, go into details like this. So, did mm-hmm. they have like a list of people they were going to
1: go oh, after? I don't or? Know. I'm not super okay. far into it. Gotcha. I will say that, like again, the way this book was pitched to me as like a great true crime read, and as somebody like written from the perspective of somebody who was covering it at the time, Mm -hmm. it sounds like every single reported detail about it and all of the, like, commonly accepted tropes about it, about the Columbine killings are not true. Okay. Like, they're not really socially outcasts. They're not really, like, bullied. They're kind of popular and sort of well-liked. Damn. It's-
0: Well, I think it's also that thing, too, where, like, you know, a monster can come from anywhere and mm-hmm. if you're human you're gonna have a lot of different aspects to your personality and your life beyond just like that one aspect so it's just kind of like absolutely i think there's also there are accounts of hitler i think when he was being filmed in certain aspects who, who was that filmmaker? he had like he had
1: one of those like spinning bow ties it was like zoo, 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 yeah zoo, yeah zoo. That. he but was
0: like i think it was either female interviewer or she was behind the camera and he's like smiling at her and talking very kind of like flirty or kindly towards her like while he's you know systematically destroying like whole populations yeah you can like smile and flirt with a girl and still be a fucking absolute monster
1: sure it's
0: not just one thing or the other uh which is kind of terrifying
1: yeah no and like super fascinating it has me just on the edge of my seat i'm loving it i'm loving this book
0: okay well i'm glad you are enjoying it yeah.
1: yeah, Roxy, what's making you happy? Is it also something about a, a national tragedy that involved the death of children?
0: <laughs> um, I'm glad I get to go last because it's a much more uh, ridiculous thing. <laughs> and I think I might have even talked about this. in this might have been a thing that made me happy in a previous podcast episode when it was around this time of year. But Easter candy is in stores again, Mikey. <laughs> 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 so I got to buy some chocolate. And I, I have a particular kind of Easter candy who is not sponsoring me. Uh, but They're these Cadbury like mini eggs and I love milk chocolate and the dark chocolate. They're the best thing ever. They're only out around Easter and Christmas. So whenever they show up, I'm just, I, I don't buy chocolate for myself very often because I, I'm bad enough (sighs) managing my diet without doing that regularly. But every time I see those, I gotta have it, Mikey. And I got, I love
1: those. I love those Cadbury eggs.
0: Ooh, like the cream eggs
1: the no the mini eggs the okay little, the mini
0: eggs yes yeah yeah, yeah you know
1: <laughs> you grab you grab a bag and you put one in each side of your mouth so that when you bite down with your full teeth it's it's eggs on both it's eggs on both sides
0: I have never eaten them like that before but now I'm gonna have to do that with the <laughs> remainder I have of this bag <laughs> oh,
1: it's good <laughs> Roxy each week the demon bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door to keep us from escaping and yet each week we still escape. it's really stupid Where- of him.
0: I mean, we're just really good, Mikey. I don't think it's a fault with him. I think it's a plus with us.
1: I would... I Honestly, hey. it feels like a waste of my time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's well, take
1: a look at who the guardsman of the basement is this week. Okay. Uh-oh, Roxy. It's a mummy version of Psycho Mantis from Metal Gear Solid 1.
0: Oh my god. Okay, I thought I recognized that sound, but for mm. real... Psychomantis is here?
1: We gotta get past him. And he can read our minds, so the only way to get around him is to quickly plug our controllers into port two. Do it, do it. All right, let's do it! Go, run! <laughs>